Amen. Well, I want to start with our series verse, and so this is in Acts chapter 19. We've been reading this the last few weeks. Acts chapter 19, 1 and 2. Listen to this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. These were uh, places that churches had been planted. Now listen, he goes on. He said, there he found some disciples. I emphasize disciples. And they asked, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, uh, we've not heard of this Holy Spirit. And so what we've been talking about is that's kind of curious. If someone was a disciple of Jesus Christ, how would they have not interacted or known anything about the Holy Spirit? And what I want to submit to you today is that that was not something that just happened in the book of Acts. I believe that's something that's happening today as well, is that there are people in this world that are disciples of Jesus Christ, but for some reason they don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And this entire series is about helping to introduce people to the person, the third person of the Trinity. Because I think what's happened is because it's kind of been ghost-like that sometimes people get a little freaked out by it. They see things, they, they experience things, and there's a part of them like, man, I don't know if I want any of that. But here's the problem. The Bible talks a ton about the Holy Spirit. And so for us to say, no, I'm good, is a bit problematic, don't you think? And so I think it's so critical that we understand what the Bible says so that we can have all that God wants us to have. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how the Spirit is, is not just a scary ghost or something that sometimes we think. It's, it's really that the Word itself is this idea of a fresh breath. Like, you know, that there's this breath of fresh air, a wind in our sails, so to speak. And that's what God wants for us as we relate to the person of the Holy Spirit. And what we've tried to do is take some of the scarier words that are out there in the culture and de-spookify them. You know what I mean? And so, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Pentecost. Now, that gets people kind of freaked out a little, Pentecost, because then they start thinking about Pentecostals, and they're like, oh, no, not the Pentecostals. Here they come, and they're kind of scared or something. And what we did is we told you that really Pentecost simply means 50. I mean, that's pretty scary, isn't it? But, but, but here's the thing is it meant that it happened 50 days after the Holy Spirit showed up, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. That's all it is. And then we talked about the word charismatic or charisma. You know what I'm talking about? And that word sometimes also gets kind of associated with people jumping over pews and barking like dogs or something. I don't know. And you get a little freaked out by it. But really all that word means is that it's like a grace gift. That God wants to give you grace. That God is bringing grace gifts into your life. And if God has a gift for you, why would you not want it? Because the last time I checked, every gift that God wants to give you is good. Whether you think so or not, it's still good. I, don't, I am not the one that gets to determine whether it's good or not. Now, I might get to say, well, that makes me uncomfortable, God. And he says, well, that's okay. Take a step. Because aren't there things about God that make us uncomfortable that don't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit? I mean, sometimes we're afraid of the call that he has on our life. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that scare us, you know? But the good news is, is that we don't ever have to be afraid of our Father. And we don't ever have to be afraid of God. Because every gift He wants to give us is good. 
And so this morning I want to talk about another word or another phrase that I think has gotten a bad rap, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that term. If you're like, that's new to me. Well, good. Then you're open. Your, your mind is completely free this morning. So praise God. For some of you who maybe have heard that term and get a little weird or you're like, wait a second, what's about to happen in here? I just want to say to you, that is not a scary thing either. The word baptism simply means to be immersed. That's it. To be immersed in. And so if you were to take a bottle, you know, in this bottle, if I took it and I put it in a pool... The bottle would go in the pool and it would be immersed in the pool. Does that make sense? That's all it means. That's what all that baptism means. And so when you think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, what, what it's being said is, is that you are being baptized, immersed into the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? Well, we're going to get to that. But it's so critical that we understand. And here's what I've seen in the church is that we look around and we've heard maybe the term baptism. Like we've heard the term and maybe we've even seen it. Because usually when we are talking about baptism, we're talking about something about water. There's a water and somebody goes in it. Maybe it's on their head. Maybe they're dunked. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we've seen it prob probably done. And so we're not really uncomfortable with that because we've seen it. Like people go in the water and they come out and they seem fine. You know, it's not so scary. And so we've seen that. But see, what happens is that we reduce the, the gospel, we reduce the Bible to something that I don't think the Bible just teaches one baptism. I actually think the Bible teaches multiple baptisms. Now, is that weird? Is that scary? Is that freaky? I don't think so. I think the Bible's pretty clear about these baptisms, and so you shouldn't be freaked out about them. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what I would call the three baptisms. What? Three? I thought there were one, right? I don't know. Hold on, guys. Open minds, open minds. Everybody's got open minds today. All right? I want to show you because, see, I'm not up here telling you something that I think or I believe. I'm going to show you in the Word what I'm talking about because I'll just tell you, if I'm not bringing it to you in the Word, then you should reject it outright. I mean, if I'm not, I mean, if I'm not showing you what the Word teaches, then I think you should reject it. But I do want to talk about these three baptisms because I think they're so critical to understanding who God is and what God is all about and what he wants us to experience as individual followers of Christ. The first baptism is a baptism in the body, into the body of Christ. It's a baptism into the body of Christ. Now, what you might call this is that it, you would call it like salvation. And so someone is baptized into Christ, and, and, and so you hear terms like, that person was saved. That person has been saved. In other words, they've been brought into God's family. And, and, and ooh, how about this? They were baptized, right? They were immersed into, they were immersed into Jesus and the salvation that comes from knowing the person of Jesus. Making sense? And so you are baptized into that particular relationship. And as a result of that, you are entered into a family. You're brought into the body of Christ. You now are no longer an orphan. You actually have a father. And today you have a spiritual father if you want it. You could be a son of God or a daughter of God today if you simply accepted the fact that God wants to baptize you into Christ. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized, listen to this, by one spirit into one body. Now, I think that word by is kind of important. It's a preposition, and I'm not going to... Please don't, like, sleep on me because I'm about to talk about grammar. Stay with me. It's important. 
So this byword is actually important because the byword is telling you who's doing it, right? And so this is kind of interesting, is it that the Spirit is baptizing you into the Spirit. You get that? So it's by the Spirit into the one Spirit and then into this body of Christ. Get it? And so I think that's kind of interesting because sometimes we don't even think about the fact that the Spirit of God is involved in our salvation. But yet the Bible says that no one comes to the Father except through the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And so whether you knew it or not, when you came out into this world, the Holy Spirit was already working. It was working to bring you home. I love that. I love that, that at no point in my life have I ever been abandoned by God. That ever since I was a little baby, God was in there going, come on, you come home now. You come home, come on, come on, you come home. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that good to know that God has always been working on your behalf? And so the Holy Spirit is the one that has brought you into the family of God. And if you today have accepted Christ and been baptized into Christ, been immersed in a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that you can be saved. Galatians 3, 26 through 27, listen to this. You're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So how do you become sons and daughters of God? Simply by faith. For all of you have been baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ. And you have clothed yourself in Christ. Isn't that good? And so you come out of the water, you've been baptized, you've been immersed into Jesus. And you come out and the Bible says that you now are free of your sin. That you can be free of the sin that's held you back. And you know the good news is, is that it covers both past, present, and future. Like even if you screw up tomorrow, Jesus has got you. You don't ever have to be worried about that. Now, it doesn't mean you should have license. Yeah, you know, some of us are like, well, if he's got it, I can just do whatever where I want. Well, no, that's a problem, you know. That's a problem. Your heart's wrong, right? Your, the attitude is wrong. Your motive is wrong, and God knows that. But I just want to say to you, if you've been saved, God has you. Now, I want to share a story with you of where the disciples, I believe, are being saved. Watch this. This is, this is really cool. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, listen to this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So they were afraid. Jesus was, was already been crucified. There was trouble in their ranks. And, and, and then watch this. It says, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. So they're hiding, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And he appears and he says to them, peace be with you. I like that. Because I don't know about you, but if I was just sitting there hanging out with my friends and Jesus kind of just manifested right there in my midst, I'd be like, oh, goodness. And Jesus like, hey, peace with you. Hey, you calm down, boy. You're all right. You're all right. You know, like, you're okay. So he's, he's just loving them, and he says, Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds in his hand and in his side. He said, look at this. It says, they were filled with joy because they saw the Lord. Isn't that good? And then watch this. Verse 21. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then this is kind of weird. He says, he, 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 he breathes on them. Look at that. It says, then he breathed on them. And what does it say? It says that they received the Holy Spirit. Well, that's weird. Because if you know chronology, if you know the order of what's happening in the scriptures, we're in the book of John. 
And so if you look about, think about that for a second, there are four books leading up to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and yet here in, 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 in this gospel, you see something that's kind of interesting. Because if I remember right, Jesus said, hey, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came on them at Pentecost. So what's this about? Jesus is breathing on them. And he says as a, a byproduct of that is that they receive the Holy Spirit. See, I don't think this was about them receiving a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think this was about them receiving a baptism into Jesus. That this was a baptism into this relationship. Because if you notice the, 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 the timeline, it can't be anything other than that. That something was happening here in this moment that the, that the disciples were being breathed on because Jesus was simply saying to them, you are my disciples, you are mine. And then watch this. See, because I think this is about salvation. I think Jesus was saying, you guys now are saved. That, the, that in that moment, salvation had come to these disciples. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs because there are a lot of things in the scripture that aren't talked about. Like, here's one. Did you ever see the disciples get baptized? Isn't that funny? Like, if you read the Bible, it's like, where's that at? Where, where, you know, like you see Jesus go underwater, but where are the... So what I'm saying is there's some parts of this that aren't necessarily put together for you. And so we have to draw some inference as to what's actually happening. And so in the chronology of things, you get to see that there's something happening here where Jesus is breathing on his disciples. And I believe that in that moment, they're receiving the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. There are some people that believe that when you are saved, you do not receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. I actually believe that you do receive the Holy Spirit because it's pretty clear that the Holy Spirit says receive the Holy Spirit. So even if you're saved, it says that you have received the Holy Spirit. So then what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is if you go start reading the book, you start reading Acts and you go a little bit further, there's some issue there. And so we have to define what that means. Are you guys still with me? I know this is getting thick, but just stay with me. It's important that you understand. It's important you understand what's happening here. So the same story, remember I talked about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, each of those Gospels tell similar stories, but they do it from different vantage points. And so here's a different vantage point, and this is found in the Gospel of Mark. Same story, just a little different. Okay, listen. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing among them, he says to them, right, peace be with you. So you can see that you're connecting the dots. Same peace be with you that happened in John is happening here in Luke. Peace be with you, he said. Then skip down a little bit to verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven now that's interesting because earlier he said receive the holy spirit now he's telling them to stay because the holy spirit's going to come and give them power and so even though they had received the holy spirit for salvation they had not received an immersion into this person of the trinity they had not received this immersion into the holy spirit and that's why he told them to wait Wait so that you can be immersed into the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that a big deal? We're going to get to that. It's important you get this because, because if you don't understand this, what will happen is you'll reject it and you'll say, well, I don't need that. I got the other one. Why do I need this one? 
And I just want you to be open to the fact that maybe God wants to give you all of it. Because if God has a gift for you, don't you want it? Makes sense to me. Then look in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. During the 40 days after he had suffered and died, Jesus, they're talking about, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And so he would make various appearances. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, right? He would make various appearances and he would do various things, the Bible says. And, and so he was proving to them that, that he was actually alive, I, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, if you think about that, like people are like, well, that didn't happen. That Jesus got into it. That didn't happen. He was appearing to people after the fact for 40 days. There were eyewitnesses to this reality. This wasn't some story where like someone made it up and be like, ha ha, we got them. Think about that for a second. Powerful. So Jesus was appearing to people and, and it says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, look again, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift I have promised you. Now again, this is an Acts. This is the story of the church advancing. This is after the Gospels. So he says, wait for the promise that I've told you about. In verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be, notice the future tense, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pretty clear, isn't it? That something's coming. And that something is the Holy Spirit. And he tells the disciples to wait. Now, do you believe at this point that the disciples weren't followers of Jesus? Do you believe at this point that they weren't saved? Think about that. And yet Jesus was speaking to them in this room saying, hey, you need to wait because the power of God is going to come. And you have to have this in your life because if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. And so at this point, the, the disciples have been baptized into Jesus, and that's your first baptism. But here's the second one, and this is the one that we all see all the time, and that is a water baptism. So if you notice, there is water baptism in the Bible. Jesus was baptized into water, and you see other people being baptized into water. And it's important that you understand what this is about. And I think it's pretty straightforward and pretty simple as to why these things are connected or not connected the way that they are is because I believe that nobody, God wanted to make sure that nobody ever thought that baptism had anything to do with salvation. Get this. There's a reason they're separate. Because see, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Do you understand that? The Bible says you have to be saved. The Bible says that you have to confess and believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord and confess that. And, and, and so as a result of that, you can be saved, right? Now, I'm not reducing the importance of baptism. I'm just simply saying it's not something that has to be done in order for someone to be saved. And now why would that be? Because God wants you to understand that there are no additives. None whether it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit or whether it's a water baptism or whether it's you doing good works. None of it is added to the fact that it is a free gift from Jesus Christ. And all he asks is that you would put your faith and trust in him. That's it. And so we understand that water baptism is important though because, because if, you, if you know the story of the gospel and you know the story of the Old Testament, it really is an entrance into the family of God. That's one thing that it is. It's a public declaration of that and say, hey, guys, I'm in. But it's something where you stand and say, this is who I am. 
This is, this is what I'm about. This is, this, is, this is what I want my life to be about. And so I think sometimes we forget all the things that God wants us to do. Aren't, they don't have anything to do with my salvation. And that my salvation is something that's secure. It's not something that I add to. But yet, it's an important step. Being saved is an important step. Being baptized into Christ is an important step. Being baptized in water is an important step. And I just say to you, if you've never been baptized, we want to help you with that step. Because it is important for you to go public with your faith. Last week, we had eight people raise their hands to be saved. Come on. And I'm telling you, almost every weekend, somebody is raising their hand to get saved. And so I just want to say to you, if you're one of those people, take the next step. Go ahead and make it public. Say, you know what? This is what I'm about. I want to be about this. Because listen to this. In, in Acts 2, 41, it says, those who accepted this message were baptized. You get it? They went public. They were immersed in the water so that they could declare who they are in Christ. And so if you've never been baptized, well, you need to take that step. It's important. So you need to go public. And I was reading this verse in Matthew, and it, it kind of sums it up for you a little bit. In Matthew 10, 32 through 33, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. What's his point? He's saying that we need to be public. We need to be public with everybody around us. And I know some of us, here, here's the thing I know. Some of us wake up in the morning and we go to work and we do our thing and we keep our head down. And there's a part of us like, like don't let anybody know. You know, keep that Bible. You know, you know what I don't like about Bibles on the phone anymore? Is it used to be you'd have to bring your Bible and read it in public or something. Now you get it on your phone and nobody's going to ask you. You're like, <laughs> you know, it's a secret reading. I'd encourage you, bring a Bible. You know what will happen? People actually will ask you questions. They'll ask you. Now you're like, well, the, the, really? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And, and here's what I want to say to you. Part of the reason we won't do that or we pull back from that is I believe because we're not experiencing the power of Jesus that we're actually not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because see, the power of the Holy Spirit casts out this fear that sometimes keeps us back so, to being witnesses. Does that make sense? All right, come on. You guys okay? I'm just worried about you. <laughs> I feel like you woke up in the clouds, you know, because of the rain and trying to wake up. It's okay. But water baptism, I believe, is the second step. But I also believe that there's a third step, and I want to let you know about that a little bit today. And that final one is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. You remember that the Holy Spirit, or you remember that the disciples received the Holy Spirit when they got saved, remember? So that Jesus was back there and he breathed on them, and, and it says that they received the Holy Spirit. But it's really interesting that he says to them in the Gospel of Luke that they should wait. And so they were... Basically, they were given a salvation, but he, he tells them to wait to go to Jerusalem or to wait in Jerusalem. And, and when they go to Jerusalem, they won't just be in Christ. They won't just be receiving a baptism in that is that they will also be receiving a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so they're going to go to Jerusalem and, and, the, and the byproduct of that is that they're going to get dunked in the spirit. 
They're going to get dunked in the spirit. And the dunking in the spirit is actually the thing that they need. This is the thing that they need in order to be able to do what God has called them to do. Listen to this in Acts chapter 8 verse 5. Stay with me. Here's some more scripture for you. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. And so this is in the book of Acts, remember? So Acts 1 is when Pentecost happens. Holy Spirit, right, comes on them in two. And you see all this amazing things happening. 3,000 people get saved. People start talking in tongues, prophesying. I mean, all kinds of amazing things are happening. Fast forward into chapter 8 of the book of Acts says that he went down to Samaria, Philip went to Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so they believed, and as a result, they were baptized. They believed in Jesus. They were baptized in water, okay? But then watch this. This is where it gets weird. Watch this, in Acts 8, verse 14. So just a little bit further, check this out. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Now, why would they send Peter and John? Well, he's going to tell you. Then, it said, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them. Wait a second, I thought they believed. They did believe, and they were baptized, but yet there's a problem. Do you see it? He says that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. It says they, in this in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and simply they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and look at this. It says they received the Holy Spirit. They, it wasn't forced on them. It wasn't something where like, you have to have this. It says that they received it. They were open to it. And I actually believe one of the reasons that many people don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their life is they're not really open to it. They kind of do a halfway open. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm kind of, okay, God, if you want to give it to me, I'll take it. <laughs> right? It's not, I want it. I want it all. Give it to me now, Lord. I need it. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to. Right? You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Because there's a fear in us that, that somehow I'm going to be out of control. I'm not going to be able to, to know my faculties. And I just want to say, that's not true at all. It's not true. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not forcing himself on anybody. It's just a question of whether or not you want to receive it. It's important. And so why do we need another baptism? Well, here it is once again. God didn't want to mix your free gift with anything else. And so the first baptism is a free gift from Jesus. So you're baptized into Jesus. The second and third require you to do something. The second and third are an act of obedience. The second and third, if you want them, you have to take a step of faith. You have to take a step of faith to get in the tub. You have to take a step of faith to be open to the possibility that the power of the Holy Spirit could come into your life and you would be then infused with everything that you need, even the gifts that Ben talked about last week. All of the gifts could be available to you. And yet, sometimes we just say no. So being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't, it isn't just about, it, it, it's actually not about an eternal thing. Because see, salvation's about an eternal thing. It's actually about an earthly thing. It's while I'm here on this earth, I am going to be publicly 
declared before people that I'm a follower of Jesus. And the other is I'm going to be empowered with all the gifts that I need to accomplish that God, all that God wants me to accomplish. Listen to this in 1 John 5, 7 through 8. For there are three, listen to that, three, right? The Bible loves threes. Like threes are all over the Bible. And so it wouldn't be, it's not surprising that I'm talking about three baptisms, is it? And so watch this. For, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. This is John writing in this little letter. And he says, and there are three that bear witness where? On earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. What's that about? It's symbolism. And, and so you see the Spirit, which is about the baptism of the Spirit. You see the water, which is about the water baptism. And then you see the blood, which is about you becoming saved because of what Christ has done to you on the cross or for you on the cross. Make sense? It's just in a reverse order. It's just in a reversed order. It's all right there. And so this spiritual journey that we're all on, God loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to save you. And if you've never been saved, God wants you to know that he loves you. That he sent his son to die for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And that you could spend eternity with him forever. But that's not the end of the journey. That's not the end of the journey. Especially when it comes to these baptisms. I need to go public with my faith if I've never done that. If you've gotten saved and you've never done it, go take that step and be public about it. And then the other is why not pursue an empowerment through the Holy Spirit? Why not pursue a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit so that you can have everything that God wants you to have? Now, I want to just share my story a little bit because I I think sometimes you're like, well, tell me a little bit about your story. Well, I got saved in an African-American church. My mom and I were the only white people in this church. True story. It was a black missionary Baptist church. Missionary Baptist churches were churches that were started by other churches, and these churches typically couldn't pay their own bills. That's why they were called missionary Baptist churches. And so they're started as missions, right? And so this was the church that I was raised in. And I tell you what, man, I loved God in that place. I met God. I learned the scriptures. I grew in my faith. I was baptized in that church. And and one of the things that this church had was an excitement for Jesus, right? There was an excitement. And there was this part of me that's like, I want that in my life. I need that in my life. And I didn't know, though, how to get it. I didn't know if I just needed to conjure up some energy. Isn't that how you feel sometimes when you come to church? You just got to conjure something up. It's like, oh, uh, everybody's going to be joyful there, so I better smile. Everybody's going to, you know, be jumping around. I better better learn to hop or something, maybe tap my foot. Oh, here comes that stupid clap track again. I got to clap now. Sometimes we feel like we got to conjure it up. We got to, you know, and I just want to say to you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know that at a time. I left that church uh, partly because just some difficulties in my life. And and I moved and I started going to another church. And and I bounced around for years after that. You know, I hung out with some Methodists and I hung out with some Charismatics. And I hung out in a variety of different places. And I think I've told you I was kind of like a theological or spiritual mutt, you know. And maybe you can relate to that. 
But, 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 but that was my journey. But there was always this part of me that wanted more. I always wanted more. I wanted to experience what God had for me. All of it. Not just a little bit of it. Because I actually was raised in a place that I believe that when, when in the Bible when it says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. Like, I believe that. And I know that that probably makes you a little, like, well, that's weird. Have you ever seen a mountain move, Daniel? Right? You want to go there. And I'm just like, I get what you're saying, but I just believe that God can do it. Even if I don't see it done, I just believe he can. And I'm a faith person that way. And so I just believe in that way because I believe God, the possibilities with God are endless. Why do we put barriers on our God? It makes no sense. It's just weird. Like, oh, God, he could do that for you, but not me. And it's like, wait a second. I wanted to believe in a God. I want to believe in a God that can do everything. And I remember just pursuing that and trying to figure that out. And, and here's the crazy thing. When I was a kid, like about 12 or so, I met Jesus in this church. Maybe 11. Met Jesus in this church. It wasn't too long after that that I, I came into um, an understanding that God had called me to ministry. When, it really wasn't long after that. So I've known I was supposed to do ministry since I was like 12. And so... The, the crazy thing is, is, is the group I was with, they were like, hey, you know, you need to go to school, right? In order to do ministry, you got to go to school. That's what they said. So I went to school. So I went to college, and then I went to seminary and all this stuff. And here's the crazy thing. And I know this story's getting long. Stay with me. I promise it's good. I'm sitting in a class in, in what's called seminary, which is like a school for preachers, okay? And I'm studying. And in, in the class I'm in, get this. I'm in a class that's called uh, Servant as Evangelist, okay? So in other words, it's an evangelism class, okay? It's an evangelism class. I'm sitting in the back of the room, and the professor is down there talking about evangelism. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, gosh, what is he going to make us do? Right? I mean, it's an evangelism class. And he starts talking about how he wants us to go to the mall and walk up to random people and talk to them about Jesus. Now, some of you in the room are like, I love that. But some of you are like, oh. Like fear. And I mean, it just comes over you, right? That's what I felt. I was like, oh, is there an easy way to do this? Could I like just throw them a track and run? <laughs> and I remember the, the professor saying, hey, and if you're fearful right now, it could be that you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm in seminary, people. I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. And yet this professor is talking about the fact that I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And so you know what I did? Because I want everything that God wants to give me. I got up out of my seat and I walked down to the front of that room and I laid down on the floor and I said, somebody pray for me. He started asking people to come. I'm, I lay down. Give it to me now. I need it. I want all of it, Jesus. Right? And I know some of you are like, I couldn't even do that. Yes, you can, I promise. So he, he, he lays his hands on me and he begins to pray. And he begins to pray over me that I would receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's there in that moment that I believe that it was solidified in my life. But guess what? I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't, bat, I didn't prophesy. I didn't like roll over and do a backflip. I didn't do any of that. And there was this part of me that said, Is that real? Did it work? And all he said, he whispered in my ear, he said, accept it by faith. 
Accept it by faith. Regardless of what happens, accept it by faith. Now, here's the thing. Fast forward several years, and I'm, I know this is a long story. You guys have to stay with me. Fast forward several years, and I'm, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm in Los Angeles, California, and I'm at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And we are about to go out on a, it was a, a ministry outreach to the red light district in Los Angeles, okay? In other words, what, part of what we were doing, we were helping, uh, we were trying to convince prostitutes to get in the van with us so that we could take them back to the Dream Center to get them to safety, okay? Well, I don't know if you've ever been in those environments, they can be quite dangerous. Like, they just can. Pimps don't particularly like that, yeah? And so, so I remember we're in this big circle, and I am so scared of what is about to happen. I'm just afraid, and I'm trying to figure out, God, where are you? And it's there that I just start, I just start talking to the Lord. And it was the first time in my life I ever expressed to the Lord in what I would call a, a, a prayer language. And I began to speak out this language that I didn't even understand. But I can tell you my spirit rose. And it's hard to describe. And I know some of you are like, well, that's weird and that's crazy. I know. I know. But I just want to tell you something. That just because it makes you uncomfortable, just because it's kind of scary, just because you're not sure, doesn't mean it's not true. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. And so when you feel fearful, you can actually encourage yourself in the Lord through speaking in tongues. And I know that this is kind of freaky. And I don't have time to unpack all this today because we would have to do like an all-day and an all-day and an all-day seminar on the whole thing. But I just want you to be open to the possibility. Could you at least be open to the possibility that the Holy Spirit wants to interact with you and that anything the Holy Spirit wants to give you is not weird? That it's actually a good thing? And, I, and when I go out to do ministry, I tell you, I need the Holy Spirit because sometimes I get afraid. And I have to encourage myself in the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit comes on me and I begin to receive it. Okay, guys, I need to stop in just a moment because uh, I'm getting close to time. But um, before I do, I want to share just a couple of last thoughts. Um, I want to read something to you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Check that out. Which I think is kind of interesting that the, in that passage of Scripture, the, the two things are compared to one another. Like in the same context. Like, you know, like, so what are you saying? I'm going to act like a drunk? No, I don't think that's what it's saying. It's saying um, just like you can be inebriated with alcohol, you actually can have an inebriation with the Spirit. Which is kind of crazy to think about. Does that mean I stumble around? I don't think so. But I do think it can be one of those things where you feel impaired. But you're impaired with the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. And you can still drive. <laughs> like you don't get a DUI for that. They're like, why were you swerving? Holy Spirit. <laughs> that ain't going to work for you guys. Don't try that. <laughs> don't try that. All right, I'm going to give you four things as we're done. The first is we got to remove all the barriers, guys. we got to remove all the barriers if we want to see this happen in our life. Number two is we have to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. We just simply have to say to the Lord, Lord, I want it. I want 
to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit in my life. Would you please bring that into my life? If you've been saved, if you've been water baptized, but you've never done that, why not? Why wouldn't you just ask the Holy Spirit? Remove those barriers, those things that stand in your way and request the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because I think God wants to give it to you. I believe He wants to give it to this church. And you know what would be cool? Is if everybody in this church started to receive that in their life. Do you imagine the difference we could make? Do you imagine when the fear came off this place? Because fear keeps God's people from doing a lot of things. Imagine if the fear came off this place. Finally, we just have to receive Him by faith. That's what my professor said to me as I laid there on the floor. He said, look, I know that you're not speaking in tongues or prophesying or doing anything. There's no manifestations at this point. But all you have to do is accept it by faith. And then keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep saying, God, I want everything you want to give me. Keep pressing. Lord, I want this gift. Lord, I want that gift. Lord, give me all the gifts because I want them in my life. I need them in my life because if I don't get them, I can't do what you've asked me to do. And here's the thing, guys. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. And so often in our lives, we don't want to take a leap of faith because we can't explain it or control it. But guess what? God's not all that interested in your control. God's interested in your leap of faith. God's interested in the step of faith. Because see, it's when we're in that place, we're no longer relying on ourselves, our own mind and our own stuff and our own past and everything that we think that we have control of. God is saying, take a step. Is when you take that step, when you take that leap of faith, you know what can happen? The impossible can happen. The things that you couldn't do, God is able to do. Your ordinary becomes extraordinary. Your natural becomes supernatural simply because the power of God is living in you. Listen to this story in Ezekiel. It's so good. As the man went westward and he was measuring the line in, in his hand, he, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me to or through the water. And look, he's, and I want you to see something here in this story. He starts talking about how the water is at different places. Okay? And he says that, that when he first measured it, it was ankle deep. Some of us got ankle deep faith. Some of us got ankle deep of God right now. We're, we're, we're good, God. I feel it. I feel it on my shins. That's enough. And watch this. It says he measured off another thousand cubits, and, and it was there that the water had rose to, to knee deep. It had come up. Do you see the picture here? The water's rising. The water's rising. It says he measured off another thousand, and he led. Oh, it was up to his waist now. It was up to his waist. Measured off another thousand, but, but it was there that the... The river had become so deep that he couldn't cross it because the water, water was so deep that he started to swim around. You know what I'm talking about when you're in the, when you're in the, 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 the very, what's the kitty part of the pool? <laughs> shallow part. Come on. That when you're in the shallow part, you can touch. You feel safe. I'm good. But then you go into the deep end and you're like, oh, huh, right? And you, 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 you're no longer touching the bottom. You're no longer in control. And see, God wants us to be in a place where we understand that, sure, I need to be self-controlled. But with God, I need to be free. 
I need to be free for, to dream. I need to be free to, to think about what could happen, the possibilities. I need to think about a God that did everything. Why can't he do that in my life? Why can't he do that in my family's life? Why can't he do that in my relationships? Why can't he do that in my church? Why can't I see my city changed? Why can't I see the world come to Christ? Why can't I believe in a God who is able to give all those things? But in order to do it, I need the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're just happy being wet. But I want to invite you not just to be wet. I want to invite you to go all in. Lose a little control. Have a little faith. And watch what God will do as you swim around in the deep end. As you swim around in the love of God and the power of His Holy Spirit. Come on, guys. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so I just ask you, as we finish this series, why not take a next step? You literally can go home tonight. And you just simply say, God, I, I want this in my life. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to receive the Holy Spirit in my life. You can come down, come front, do it. I'm going to pray for you today. But make sure that you're settled on the matter. And then if nothing happens to you, that's okay. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Believe God for everything. Believe God could do it. Believe God could teach you how to speak in tongues if you want it. Believe God that he could teach you how to prophesy if he's the owner of it, he can teach you. And so believe God. And stop looking at man for all the things that you need. Look for God. And so we need to learn to relate to him daily. I'll share this last verse and I'm done. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Did you notice the three? That you would have a relationship with Christ. That you'd have a relationship with the Father and that you also would have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And that's our hope and prayer as we go on through this series, is that you would discover that. And if you have any questions at this point, or if you want to press in a little bit further, uh, myself, my team, uh, Pastor Gretchen, we would love to answer any questions that you have as we go through it, okay? All right, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for the fact that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Father, there are many people in this room that want to press in. They want more. And I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, just simply say, Lord, I want it. I receive it. Everything that you want to give me right now in the name of Jesus, I receive it. And I trust in you by faith that it's so. I pray, Lord, that you would release all of the spiritual gifts that come with that. I pray, God, that there would be a move and manifestation of your power in this place. If you're here today and you don't know, not just about the Holy Spirit, but you're in a place where you're like, I've never even accepted Christ. I've never even entered into that. I just want to give you a chance, an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that if you simply would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he would come in. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you, take a step of faith today on your journey, on your spiritual journey. Take that step of faith. So what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment if you'd like to do that, everybody's heads bowed, no eyes are closed. I just, I just want to ask you to lift your hand up. On the count of three, if you wouldn't mind lifting your hand up as a statement of faith. So right now, one, two, three. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else today? Come on. 
Don't wait. Today's your day. Okay. I want to pray for those that raise their hands in church. Let's all pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here. Lord Jesus, we need you. Would you forgive us our sins? Will you be our Savior? I submit my life to you. Be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good. Amen.